When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Savage Starlight, the officially unofficial podcast for The Last of Us on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we have another feedback episode. This time it's for the finale. Look for the light. Uh, Aaron, did you find any light in that feedback? Uh, oh, so much. It, but the feedback was not light. Uh, this is the first <laughs> week that broke me. I had just over 400 messages to make my way through, and I didn't quite get to the top of the unread pile. Uh, there was something like 30 left to go. Uh, although I was like, I will say that anytime, like the last hour of compiling feedback is a lot of like scanning and next, scanning and next, because I mean, 400 messages. A lot, a lot, of, lot, of, lot of duplicate thoughts, a lot of duplicate sentiments, and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But, but. Fortunately, we have a whole wrap-up podcast next week where we can get any stragglers, uh, especially if you think that uh, a viewpoint wasn't represented in this podcast. I want to hear from you, T-L-O-U, T-L-O-U at baldmove.com uh, next Tuesday, I think. I'm not sure when it'll be out. Tuesday or Wednesday, probably, the wrap-up podcast, um, where we will once and for all put to bed uh, the issue of Joel and Ellie until season two. Now... We are not at the bald move end of our The Last of Us journey. Uh, As I promised in the last uh, podcast, I put up a poll on Twitter. The people have spoken by a very slim majority. It's like 30% versus 29%. (laughs) People want me to play The Last of Us on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. in The Last of Us slot. Makes sense. So starting this weekend sunday at 9 p.m i am going to be playing on twitch.tv slash bald move maybe simul streamed to youtube.com slash bald move maybe if i can figure it out um but for sure once i complete the playthrough we will move this over to the youtube page on bald move or the bald move page on youtube i should say Uh, but that should be a lot of fun i would expect that i'm my plan is I'm going to play an episode the the uh like this first week I'm going to play the contents of episode 1, you know, uh and stop when we get to that point and I'm going to try to as much as possible keep that cadence going throughout the the game. I I don't know if there's some weeks that it might not work. I'm thinking uh, episode like, 3 probably doesn't well, work. Well, there's a whole build much. town that's pretty ex- I'm thinking of like Ellie's There is ellie's uh, trip to the mall because you play the dlc i don't know i could but that's that's too know. much yeah yeah i might uh we, we might have an eight week playthrough i'm not sure i'm not I'm, I'm not sure um but yeah uh i think it should be a lot of fun jim's going to be hanging out with me mm-hmm. and uh, we're just going to be playing we're gonna, you're gonna you can see my patented tin palm monkey looting technique just just flawless flawless tin palm monkey techniques um, <laughs> very exciting <laughs> A lot of very mediocre gameplay, and the only thing I can promise, the only thing I can promise is when we get to the hospital, we will have 200 rounds of flamethrower ammunition in mm-hmm. the old backpack, and we will solve this trolley problem <laughs> in a warm, very warm, uh, a, 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 a bright, mm-hmm. compassionate manner. 
show them the light aaron show them right. the light they won't have time to be afraid <laughs> before <laughs> the 2000 degree napalm hits them it's uh it's really it's really a compassionate thing to do uh so yeah check that out on twitch.tv slash bald move of course bald uh twitch twitter dot com slash bald moves the best place to keep up with that i'd highly recommend to follow because i usually tweet 10 or 15 minutes before we start give you a little reminder oh you can also subscribe to us on twitch um we don't do a lot of twitch stuff other than our like at least right now our marathons and whatnot but if you want to get a reminder right before i go live that's another great way to do it uh get go to our page at twitch.tv slash bald move wow we're gonna be playing video games sounds like fun yeah i like and video I games it, and uh, I will say the response to this is highly indicative of whether I'll do this for The Last of Us 2. So mm-hmm. if you want more of this type of stuff, show up for it. Twitch.tv slash baldmove this Sunday at 9 p.m. Episode 1. Sarah's going to die. We're going to we're gonna do some low-level crime busting in the quarantine zone. And uh, if all goes well, we'll meet Ellie before the end of the night. Uh, and again, a budget two to three hours, I think, for each one of these playthroughs, because that's about, I think, what it's going to take. Okay, uh, here is the responses. Um, I tried to do a lot of, I tried to do a lot of different takes, a lot of different uh, viewpoints. Uh, I also have at the end of the non-spoiler section, kind of like some negative takes or some underwhelming takes, some mixed reviews that we can kind of talk through. And then we have a healthy super spoiler section. There will no longer be a spoiler. We've sure. caught up to the game and the DLC, so The Last of Us 1 is completely unspoilable for you. Um, so yeah, and feel free um, to go back through and listen to, uh, if you want to see some other kind of like, you know, uh, what, what do we talk about? Like, differences between show? If, if you want to go back and catch up on the stuff they missed now that they're through the season. Oh, uh, for the spoiler section. Um yeah. A lot of differences between yeah. show and game, a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of speculation on what a change means versus this, that, and the other. Um, so, yeah, it might be interesting for folks, but but definitely miss yeah. out this one unless you played The Last of Us 2. So, let's get started. Byron is up first. He shared with me an article he read on The True Hollywood Reporter. I, why do I always say The True? It's, it's just, just Hollywood The Hollywood Reporter. Reporter. Mm-hmm. There's a wicked and false Hollywood reporter that you got to watch out for. This is from the true one. So Sunday's finale of The Last of Us averaged 8.2 million viewers across all platforms from H, uh, for HBO, up slightly from the previous week's 8.1 million and an opening not high for the nine-episode season. According to HBO, The Last of Us' first six episodes are averaging 30.4 million viewers since the January 15th premiere, the debut episode closing in on 40 million viewers. This 30.4 million figure, should it hold as more returns come in on the final three episodes, would mean that The Last of Us is bigger than The House of Dragon, which averaged 29 million cross-platform viewers over the course of its run in the late summer and fall of 2022. I don't understand these statistics. Uh, (laughs) House of the Dragon (laughs) started with, with, with 10 million viewers. It maintained that 10 million viewers throughout all, and now being hit with this... 30 million viewers. So more people are watching The Last of Us but haven't finished watching every episode. Is that where the is is that how I square this? It it sounds like it. If 40 million hit the the premiere by now, but there's 30 million on the finale. Yeah, it sounds like people just haven't caught up yet. Uh, It's also a lot of like. 
like like viewing on maybe HBO and HBO Max at opening night versus across all places you can view it like yeah i mean th- th- there's so many ways to slice this pie I to know. say haha we're doing excellent or haters can be like haha you're actually doing worse than you think uh right that none of it means anything unless you're comparing apples to apples and i don't know that we are here i really well, let me ask say. you this did you think in your wildest dreams that the last of us would have an audience number rivaling let's say it's not even bigger rivaling that of uh the house of the dragon did you think that that no, was the but ceiling not, of the show? Not not because The Last of Us doesn't deserve it or didn't have a following for it, but because House of the Dragon, I thought, was going to be massive. Um, just yeah. like Game of Thrones was massive, right? Like you right. you kind of get enough distance and people forget how much they hated the end of Game of Thrones. Uh, and they come back yeah. for this. And I think it's not surprising necessarily that the last of us did so well because I mean, it sold millions of copies of that game. Oh yeah. It had a pretty dedicated fan base too. Yeah. Right. And, and millions more with the, the two remakes they did. Um, so we're talking about millions of people already primed and probably certainly going to tune in to watch the Even show. If you're not a gamer, if you have a gamer in your life, uh, you know, you, it, mm-hmm. it's very easy to heard of the last of us. Cause it's consensus. One of the totally. top five video games of all time. It's like, you might not have seen the Godfather or um, uh, Casablanca, but like you fucking heard of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. Same here. Yeah. Uh, this, so, yeah. But then you look at the the House of the Dragon and the audience that it had primed and it was it was massive. Right. Yeah. So like a yeah, to say that it's people. doing as good or better is kind of shocking. I'm not sure if it was 100 million people pirating, including piracy watching, but like there was a Mm -hmm. figure thrown around that 100 million people were watching Game of Thrones uh, when it was at its height in season seven and eight. And that's incredible. It might have been like 50 million watching legally and another 50 million. But like it's an insane number. And the fact that, yeah, I I thought maybe if you'd asked me, it's like, oh, The Last of Us is getting 10 million viewers. I'm like, oh, it must be the start of Last of Us season two. Uh, mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, heard over the last two years that The Last of Us was incredible, actually. But like this much, like early adapting, um, I'm I'm yeah. pleased. I'm pleased. You know, especially I mean, and maybe this helped it too that it was right after, like it was kind of like first off the blocks after the winter, after the Christmas kind of hangover is over. Sure, sure. Um, but what you know, regardless, I'm ridiculously pleased with uh, how the show's been embraced by people. I'm very pleased with how we have uh, been able to get an audience covering it. Um, yeah, pretty pretty good all around. Let's move on to John G says. I think J- what Jim seems to be missing with the I. Okay, so this is your take on the J- Jakarta mycologist. Oh, okay. I think what Jim seems to be missing with the idea of the mycologist in episode two suggests bombs is the only hope is the urgency. It's funny because you and I are kind of don't see eye to eye on this. So I was looking <laughs> and I, I can't put my finger on exactly why we disagree. So I was reading a lot of these with like someone's going to have the argument, you know, that's going to be sure. I'm, I'm is... arguing against the Internet at large. Sure. Yes, it's an impossible yes. task. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm being I'm being uh, it's it's like I'm being raccoonied. Uh, there is a person in my podcasting <laughs> hat directing me with the perfect argument. Here it is. Mm-hmm. It's the sense of urgency. It's the same thing as the other mycologist said in the opening scene from episode one, because mycologists understand that if cordyceps can live in a human host, that we'd have very little time before we as a species would be done. 
Bombs are, of course, a last resort because 24 hours into this musation, we are already at last resorts, and those probably won't work, and in fact did not. There are nowhere near enough time to study how to stop the infection because our body temperature has made an impossible scenario with the fungus, so no one was studying it, and it would take years and years to find one if we ever did. Mycologists knew that trying to approach a cure would involve nothing like anything we've ever done for vaccines, uh, with vaccines for viruses. Fungus are a completely different kingdom of taxonomy from both animals and viruses. Science is not magic. Some things actually are impossible to, to achieve, no matter how much time you're given, the smartest scientist in the world. At the point she's suggesting bombs, you're only thinking about containment, and even that didn't work. Uh, now, I want to talk about that first, um, before he gets to contrasting to the Firefly situation. Um, because you were kind of like wrapping those up in kind of a equivalency ball. What did you make of this? The It's the urgency. Yeah, there's certainly an urgency. Um, the last person on the planet I want to throw up their hands and say it's pointless, I'm going home to die with my family, is the world's foremost mycologist in that situation. I want them to start working on the problem right now. You know? Like... Sure, Tom, the plumber, can throw up his hands and go, well, I guess we're fucked. I'm going to go home and spend my last days with my family. But mycologists need to be working on this, whether you're going to bomb people or not. And she's just like, nope, fuck it. I'm done. Who's going to solve this problem? I, well, so here's the thing. Here, here's a good example. Let's say, because like, I, I feel like this is young Jim sitting cross-legged in front of his TV watching The Next Generation, and nobody in that show would ever have this reaction, right? Of course. But, like, what if Captain Picard summons one of their paleobiologists to the bridge and is like, we've got this incident, we just beamed up something from Triskelon 3, and there's some green goo, and it's spreading like wildfire in the main shuttle bay, and she, the, this this uh, exo this paleobiologist takes a look at the view screen and with horror says, "You have to vent this to space right now." And Picard says, "Doctor, there's thirty crewmen in there." And she's like, I, "You don't understand. You have to fucking vent this shit right the fuck now." Mm-hmm. Is she? Is she giving up? No, but she's also not saying, uh, "I'm just gonna go to my cabin and die." You know, it's like she's telling you what to do. If the captain says no, well, you got to find another solution, right? Like, and the captain here is not saying no. He's going to bomb people, it seems. Well, I mean, I don't, did they, like, did they try that? Or is that something they tried in all the other cities because Jakarta didn't? I don't know, because I'm also like, I get, you're right. You're right. She's not saying I'm just going to go home and die. Um, The recommendation is like, because I presumably... If they followed her advice and they bombed the shit out of Jakarta and they contained it, then she would probably be the foremost person studying the problem. Presumably, sure, like sure. Uh, the paleobiologist is like, I'm going to go to my uh, quarters and in 30 minutes blow my brains out of the phaser. If you happen to blow uh, breach, contain- <laughs> if you happen to blow uh-huh. this, the shuttle bay and the green sh- shit stops moving, then call me. Like, I feel like that's the implied. It's there's something kind of like. <laughs> I, I feel like you are thinking this scientist is like being willful or like lazy or something rather than being real. Is that yeah, fair? It's, it's the attitude. It, it's, it's the attitude of the scientist. Like I'm not mm. going to go get into the lab and try and save humanity. I'm just going to go home and die. I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. It's defeatist. Um, here, here's the real thing though like none of this is what I'm actually getting to the heart of right I think like 
you, you said something about how it relates to the fireflies and that's what i'm actually okay talking about in this show is like how they're portraying the science to me i'm taking them at their word at every moment like you, you the show wants me to take them at their word at every moment right i think we should whether, take experts at their word at every moment in general yeah especially in a tv show that has given you no idea here that like scientists might be wrong yeah right i'll i'll accept that with the mycologist because she's working in a she's she's the foremost expert in her nation on, on fungal stuff and there's no reason for me to think that she is a fraud or basing her research on bullshit and limited case studies and things like that. Um, all right. Should we pivot to John's other point? Um, yeah, yeah. says now the science of studying Ellie to fully understand your immunity. They had plenty of time for, and that's totally different because they have an immunity function working already. I think what he means by this is that if one of those flower workers was immune like like 16 of them got exposed 15 of them turned into violent fungal beast and one of them strangely immune to it i wonder if the scientists would have said the same thing because that would be something to go on um Mm -hmm. but he's saying that they have an immunity function like we see it in the wild so it is possible now we just have to study it all they have to do is study it enough to know how to successfully extract it and mass produce it if it only works in utero, they can be in inoculations in the next generation. The six-hour thing, completely absurd, but the concept is sound. In that case, there really is a hope they can find a cure, but in the previous scene, Jim's belief that she didn't give him enough time is just wrong. She's choosing to save the world and, to, and by sacrificing a city. If she had made the calculation the world is already gone, this being only a few minutes after just learning that fungus can't exist in human temperatures and was loose in the world, and if she could rapidly deal with the emotional hurricane of all that had just changed instantly for her her family and humanity, maybe the alternative to bombing would be for them to militarily secure the lab she is in, sacrifice the world to begin the task of looking for some way to build a medical solution. But it's a lot to deal with, and so quickly. Yeah, my my point has never been like, oh, she should come up with a solution right now. That's Mm -hmm. absurd, right? Like, of course it takes time to research things. It's That's never what I've said. What I've said is she completely gives up and goes home to die instead of going straight to the lab to start working on something. Huh. I, I think I think well, there's a, a misunderstanding of what I've been saying with regard to this scientist. I well, okay. I maybe it's possible, but like let me try it one more time. If um a scientist discovers a mile wide asteroid and is going to hit the earth guaranteed in twenty four hours. Then they should contact Bruce Willis and get him up there to start drilling because they're could be a solution. This, this is a thing. Like I just can't just I, I, say I, 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 I'm done. I'm done. I I am the only hope for humanity because I am the only person with the knowledge to actually do anything. If anything can be done, and I'm fucking going home to die. It it certainly says something about the severity of the situation, but it also says that person is unwilling to try, and I don't like that. But what I just don't like, like it. It's why I don't like. I don't mm. like her attitude. It's not that okay. I think she could find a solution in five minutes or whatever it takes before they bomb. I think she needs to try to start working on something that might save humanity eventually. Hmm. Instead of just giving up and dying. 
Uh, yeah, I guess I, I'm, I guess I'm open to things like again, my, I, because I don't think there's all the Bruce Willis in the world, uh, and all the Animal Crackers and Michael Clark Duncan coming back from the grave is going to save humanity from a mile wide asteroid that's 24 hours away. You can't even get a sure. fucking rocket off. Yeah, so it's like you, you might try things to make people feel better until like, oh shit, yeah, launch some nukes, do whatever. Um, but like, I just don't think there's anything, there's any way you're going to save the Earth, and I don't think it's a personal but, failing for a scientist to say that. Well, but we're not talking about about a mass extinction like that. We're not talking about well there's some impossibly large thing coming at us and it's going to destroy us no matter what we do. We're talking about something that we can actively work against, you know? You can put up walls, you can keep it out. You can't put up walls to keep out a fucking asteroid, right? It's going to hit the planet. It's going to destroy everything. It's going to kill everything well, alive. I mean, you're saying we can put up walls, we can do this, we can do that. But, like, the foremost mycologist in the world is saying we can't. And the fact but, but that... Then, 90- but then we see it, we see them do it. Because it happens. Like, the QZs are evidence of that. Like, this isn't going to totally kill humanity off in one stroke. It's going to be a progressive thing. And you can push back against that. You have time, just not time to save everyone. All right. Now's the time to endure and survive. We'll be back with more Savage Starlight. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints... Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Here are the weekly highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Apple TV is releasing a new series based on Blake Crouch's novel, Dark Matter. Aaron and I are big fans of his work, so we're picking up the new show on day one. Join us this Wednesday for the preview podcast. 
The Shogun Limited series might be over, but that doesn't mean our Shogun coverage has to end. We've got the wrap-up podcast releasing this Tuesday, where we'll consider all your feedback and final thoughts on the series. And because we like the show so much, we decided to go all the way back to 1980 to cover the first TV adaptation of the novel. Do what you can to find a copy and join us this Thursday for the first of our four-part podcast on the 1980 Shogun miniseries. And finally, the latest first-run movie, The Fall Guy, features Emily Blunt and Ryan Gosling. He's a stuntman tasked with finding the star of his ex-girlfriend's movie when he suddenly goes missing. Is it a rom-com? Yes. Does that mean I'll automatically hate it? Not if the trailer lives up to its promise. Join us for the podcast on Bald Move Pulp this Thursday night. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Just so we're clear about back there, it was either us or the ad. Welcome back to more Savage Starlight. Let's move on to Trevor. Uh, Trevor mentioned that uh, when Pedro was talking about the bombs, okay, not hitting the one thing that was supposed to be demolished. You know, we were trying to speculate on what he meant by that. Did he mean they're targeting a hospital because they're trying to wipe out the infected and they missed? Yeah, he yeah. says, I took it to mean the building they're actually in was set for demolition before the outbreak, but ironically, it's still standing. I think that's what they're getting at with all the plans and the fact that this thing has been worked on. Like, the Joel sees that this thing was scheduled for demolition, and then the huh, whole city gets okay. bombed, and it's the only thing standing. Like, he's using his super contractor skills. Right. Like right. the mycologist before him to make a pronouncement uh-huh. on Doom Structure to turn out it was wrong. <laughs> Uh, no, I think I think that's a hundred percent right. Though I I just fully subscribe to the parking garage going to be controlled demo theory now. Uh, Crystal says it's pretty optimistic of Mar- Marlene to assume that even if they can create a cure, that people will actually want it. Coming out of a global pandemic with rampant conspiracy theories about a vaccine that was produced using old technology in a new way, I can't imagine a lot of people lining up to have the cordyceps. Uh, to have cordyceps that were produced using a whole new science injected into their arms, even if it's to create a cure, do you think people actually want it? Uh, a, certainly a large portion. I mean, I lined up to get some some vaccines. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a large portion of people who would. And yeah, the people I... who wouldn't, well, their fate is not going to be as bright as the people who do get it. I kind of feel like we are in danger of overlearning some lessons from COVID. Like one of the reasons that you had this, um, this, this hesitancy and so much anti-science. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I think one of the big reasons is people could, they had the luxury with COVID because for the vast majority of people who are otherwise young and when I mean young, I'm talking under 65 and healthy, they're going to have COVID and they're going to be just fine. I know there's long COVID. I know there's a whole bunch like, but I'm telling you that for 99% of the people in those categories, they were going to be just fine. COVID mm-hmm. was this really wild case of something that was one of the most virulent things we'd ever seen, like in the terms of it's R not value, but yeah. like. Like if COVID had the symptoms of uh, 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 Ebola, the, there the, would be no vaccine hesitancy. People or, would be or the mortality rate. Like I, I mean, the mortality rate on COVID was like what two percent or something. It wasn't even. It, oh, I don't. I don't even know if it's that high. Maybe uh, it was like point oh point two percent or something. But it yeah. was extremely low compared to the one hundred percent that we see in The Last of Us. Right. right? Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you had a okay, Ebola, nine, where, 99.9, 99, I'm repeating because of L. Where, where, 
He but, had something like Ebola where 90% of people are going to die and they're going to die shitting blood, sweating yeah. blood, puking blood. Like people, Their insides are going to liquefy, yeah. It would have been an entirely different situation, had an entirely different impact on society. It's like we kind of got like weirdly unlucky that COVID had like this massive amounts of spread and very low mortality and that ended up making people take it uh, more casually than they should have because honestly this killed mm -hmm. millions of people killed over a million people in America alone um, so it was something people should have uh, taken more serious and it but but it wasn't dangerous enough that that the average person that's like cavalier about it is going to experience a, a bad outcome in fact they'll probably experience an outcome that makes them even more well there's no fucking big deal right uh, of course so, yeah you see somebody yeah. who survives it and you're like, well, I can survive it too. I don't need a vaccine. Right, right. Uh, and for every, you know, one story where people, you know, the uh, gloating over the fact that someone was extremely anti-COVID or uh, a COVID science denier or whatever, and then they die or their, their family died and suddenly they get it. There's like 50 people who had this experience where it's like, yeah, COVID's just not a big deal and mm -hmm. who cares? So I, I don't know. I think it's 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 tough to... <laughs> like take the vaccine hesitancy we have with COVID and say 20 years into a pandemic that killed 99% of humanity and still turns people into horrifying mushroom people. Yeah. With, that, with one bite. Uh -huh. That that you wouldn't be like, fuck yeah, I'll take that vaccine. But, you know, humanity's disappointed me before. It's it's a possibility. <laughs> uh, Gretel B says, so I've been hearing about this big moment and choice that Joel makes in the finale. It will reshape everything we think about Joel and leave us questioning which side we're on. Except that didn't really happen. You can say the Fireflies were unethical and the scenario had shades of gray, but ultimately I think it fell flat primarily because of Daddy Pedro Pascal. This last month has been the perfect Pedro Pascal storm of the Oscars, Saturday Night Live, The Mandalorians, Hot Ones, The Last of Us. He's just exploded into pop culture. If Mason and Druckmann wanted people to turn on Joel, they need to do a hell of a lot more than kill some fireflies. Pedro's become America's daddy, and the consensus I've seen has been overwhelmingly pro-Joel. Am I far off on this, or has Pedro's likability dampened some of the horrors and dramatic weight they were going for in the finale? Uh, before you answer, I have an unrelated story. My wife got herself a new smartwatch two weeks ago, and thus I got her old smartwatch. And I've never seen the point of smartwatches, but I'm like, fuck it. I'll start wearing it. Just see. Friday night at two o'clock in the morning, I just gone to sleep and my wrist buzz and I, I look at it and it pulls up the notifications. And all I see is a subject line that says, I named my dildo after Pedro Pascal. <laughs> and I'm like... Okay, it's going to be that kind of week of feedback. <laughs> hmm. uh, Pedro is America's dad. I've not quite seen any, maybe the Keanu mania that we went through like five years sure. ago. Sure. But like, even then, like Keanu wasn't trying to make that happen. Like Pedro was everywhere and he's super fucking likable in everything I've seen him in. Yeah, he's got a very good agent. Uh, that's that's what it comes down to. His agent well, his agent's got a hell of a product. Everywhere. If we're being honest, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it's it's a symbiosis there. Yeah, no, he's he's blown up, man. Uh, yeah. and he's done it with a helmet on too, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, 
He's he's working with, uh, you know, they say in Hollywood you should work with animal and ch- or children that uh, could upstage you. And <laughs> Baby Yoda's arguably a little bit of both. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. He's got the cute puppy dog eyes. He's obviously a child, and Pedro is fighting with his hands behind his back and a helmet the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I. I I don't know. I don't know what happens to America if Pedro has a fall from grace. Oh no. Like it would be very oh, I considered. I know. There's a lot there's a lot I mean I there I'm there's there's nothing to suggest that he is anything but like an extremely likable dude, but holy shit we're putting a lot of pressure on him. I I I think I'd tell the Hollywood por- reporter to go bomb Hollywood and I'd go home to die cuz <laughs> That's the only solution here, I think. See what we've lost containment of the Pedro. Uh-huh. So it's spreading too fast. Right, right, right. Unless <laughs> all of humanity is gonna die off within a generation because we're all bummed that we can't reproduce with him. He's just one man. That the re- rest of us Fair. just stop trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta contain it. We got to eliminate it. We gotta eradicate it. It's the only way. It's the only way to live. Uh but then do you want to live in a world without Pedro? Jim's thinking about probably, it. I can Sus. probably make it. I can probably Sus. make it. Sus. He's he's gainsaying With, the world's Pedro. foremost mycologist, and he's living Pedroless. He's a he's a fucking apostate. I I would still have Nick Offerman in this situation, right? Didn't he? He already died, though. Nick Offerman is alive. <laughs> he's still just, willing. I know. Boats I'm, just, I'm just really trying to confuse trunks. the trying to confuse the point. Gotcha. All right, Austin says, something I have thought of and haven't heard people talk about is even if the vaccine worked and the dysfunctional fireflies could find a way to distribute it, they're most likely going to use it in a morally and ethically incorrect way. Hmm. Hmm. Would they vaccinate Fedra soldiers? Would they vaccinate people who directly oppose the fireflies in particular cities? Could they force people into labor or doing things they disagree with to earn their vaccine? Marlene could also be using it as a way to gain the fireflies power and become a totalitarian government. Raises a lot of concerns because even if they could get a vaccine produced, they would almost certainly fail to sustain the country logistically after the fact. This is an interesting political Mm. question. Do we like the Fireflies having the exclusive access to a world-saving vaccine? I don't know. Um, We might be talking about this a little bit on The Mandalorian this week, but I don't Mm. know that the Fireflies are necessarily any better than Fedra. Um, certainly their tactics are just as brutal, uh, but can you blame them? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a murky question for sure. Well, this goes back to Luthan's speech in Andor, you know, about sometimes when you're in a violent revolution, you're using the enemy's tactics against them. Does that mean you're as bad as the enemy? I guess it depends on whether you lose yourself along the way and if you win, how you govern post, uh, post revolution. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, these are definitely things I think you'd worry about because yeah, I could see a lot of them like fucking Fedra. Like, w- now nah, we're going to do background checks. Anyone that's worked for Fedra, even if you were peeling potatoes in the soup kitchen, you're fucking not getting a vaccine because you're a collaborator. Sure. And yeah, those uh, those we the people folks out in Kansas City, uh, you know, they did they they yeah they overthrew Fedra, but they didn't do it the Firefly way. They didn't accept fe- uh, fire the Fireflies. Uh, offers of assistance and help so fuck that city too like yeah I, there there are real questions around that like do you give a guy like david the vaccine sure sure because david's yeah. a real piece of shit and i don't think he's 
Yeah, I don't think it. you could rehabilitate him very easily. It would take a lot of work. Do they have the resources like for that? Do they have, like, they're rebuilding in so many other ways. It's a lot of questions. It seems like the ethical thing to do would be to broadcast this knowledge on yeah. a terrestrial radio, on as strong a transmitter as you can get, and then let every, you know, essentially, Fedric can try to develop it. Uh, the We the People group can try to develop it. Fucking David's people can try to do a bathtub. <laughs> fungus vaccine if they want but like uh -huh. yeah like with the world being as shattered as it is the idea that any outfit no matter how large and well equipped is going to be able to do some kind of worldwide push for vaccination seems sketchy mm -hmm. yeah because that was one of the frustrating things about covid going back to that is like we had a vaccine for months and months and months for the vast majority of us could uh could even take it i must have been really frustrating to have a loved one die or get seriously sick or you get long COVID yourself when you were in that gap of like vaccine available but just not enough jabs yeah. to go around you know mm -hmm. uh, Bart from Quebec says I think I heard the Fireflies mention they had a lack of power this is something in the background chatter of the hospital maybe they had just enough time to do the procedure before they ran out of juice this might explain the rush to cut open Ellie it appears they're also forced to move to this location in a hurry. The previous location left a lot of equipment and paperwork behind. Windows were left open. Monkeys were on the loose. They left in an organized fashion. They might have secured uh, a site for a possible return someday. The fireflies might truthfully be affecting interference from raiders, Fedra, cannibals, or infected. Marlene did mention a difficult time they had of getting to the site. The fireflies might justifiably be nervous about their chances to finally finish their mission. What if the doctor was bit and needed to do the operation before he turned? Boy, I don't feel like these are confounding issues. Like, these things make me more want to be like, slow down, pump the brakes, get this single person who's immune to a secure location so you can study it at your leisure. Like, a doctor trying to cut open someone's brain before they go fungus mad? That seems insane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah, I don't you can know find I... another doctor in 20 years of looking. You've never found another Ellie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's that would be kind of crazy. Uh, I don't know if the Fireflies have a secure location is the thing. I well, feel like they're does anyone? very nomadic. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Like they were talking about, oh, maybe they're going from here to here for climate reasons. Maybe they're doing here. But yeah, I mean, that's another interesting question is like is there anyone in the world that can do this type of research is there any quarantine zone in the world that has like a mri you know because I, I got I'm a lot Fedra of emails being like why don't they even try could. mri and like have you seen an mri do you know how insane an mri is like this uh -huh. thing spin like a thousand they spin like three tons of metal a thousand rpms around a person's head loaded with like liquid fucking helium and rare earth materials and the the power cons consumptions are absurd like the fact that someone would have a working mri i don't i don't it's yeah yeah who wants to get in the 20 year old MR mri that hasn't been booted up since the world fell mm. stick your head yeah. in there you know yeah yeah uh, and then the expertise sure. to operate it it's yeah it seems it's it's a lot like, yeah I, I i do i mean that's one of the big i guess that's why i'm uh <laughs> i'm vaccine skeptic in the fact the the world of the last of us is that i i think that they did a, 
I think they did a pretty good job of setting up a moral dilemma that's very crunchy and has a lot of things to consider. But in doing so, there's just so many things you could for a guy like Joel to salve his conscience with because, yeah, I just don't. I just don't Mm -hmm. believe that it's possible uh, in in this particular setting and scenario for them to develop a cure for Melly. I'm not saying it's impossible. I I think Pedro could, but the Fireflies are going to have a tough time. Yeah. I think the Fed, Feder would have a hmm. They could do it if they really want. Feder would be. I, is it crazy for me to think that Feder has the best chance of distributing a vaccine, but maybe a, a outside group like the Fireflies have a better chance at actually researching it? Hmm. Why do you say that? I'm well, curious. Because like, like the Fed, like the, there's something about Feder's shoot first and ask questions later policy. Like the fact, you know, we talked about this early in the season before when we were still kind of hamstrung about talking about spoilers. But mm-hmm. one of the things about killing that little boy is if every single person with a bite gets killed as soon as possible, you don't know how many Ellie's that you might have gone ahead and thrown into the burn pits. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, the, the solution would have to come to them because you're right. They're not yeah. going to give it any opportunity. But if the fire, maybe if the fireflies showed up and somehow got a meeting with one of the Fedra high ups. Yeah. Under white flag truce conditions and parlay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And said, we have a vaccine would, or we, we have someone who's immune. Would you please look at them and create a vaccine? Maybe they do it, but it's a big, maybe. Well, the other thing is I feel like Fedra as an institution would probably prioritize the military stuff over. Like if they had a well-equipped research mm-hmm. lab 20 years ago, I bet they shut that stuff down in favor of probably you know, buying bullets and food you know because yeah like at what point and that's another question at what point do you give up on a cure if you have a large and expensive Mm -hmm. research lab and it's been 20 years and there's no progress and like people are still starving and dying for lack of resources at what point they're like you know what fuck it yeah i wonder when they developed the test uh Mm. that that could tell because like that requires some scientific that requires, research. Yeah, it seemed to be pretty sophisticated and a manufacturing base to build a pretty sophisticated blood. You know, this is like uh, Elizabeth Holmes type tech. <laughs> sure. It's some Theranos shit. Yeah. Right. Some Theranos shit. Just stab uh-huh. somebody and it flashes a light. For sure. Depending on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I wonder know. If that, so, that might have been early on. Like that's probably number one thing you would want to try to develop oh right? yeah it's at you least a to. test for it right although you just think a thorough examination for bites but that's not as you know if you're having to process a thousand people for sanctuary you don't want to strip everybody and have them sure you can just there know some yeah yeah just homes them <laughs> uh what else okay ben from new orleans says i found it interesting that in episode one fedra lied to the kid that wandered into the boston quarantine zone it seemed like the plan was to lie to keep the kid calm and not fearful not a huge departure from how the fireflies treated ellie or how joel treated ellie maybe we're all more alike than we are different hmm. interesting comparison i i mean obviously they're fundamentally different that uh, kid wasn't he, the cure yeah yeah, you got this kid, and it's like, if there, you know, I, I've, you know, if there is no hope, um, I don't know what you want to. Do. I don't, I don't know how you should treat children, right? Like, if you got a six-year-old that's going to die of cancer, do you explain that to him in excruciating detail, or do you make him as comfortable and calm and as happy as you can for the last remaining moments of life, right? Um, whereas Ellie sure. is a fourteen-year-old girl who could comprehend, and you're doing something to her. 
And if you didn't, she'd be just fine. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that they book in the whole series with with kids being lied to about their prognosis and and uh, you know just being put to sleep. Yeah. Uh, Martin has the observation that if you're the last brain surgeon in the world, every problem looks like a brain that needs to be surgeoned. It's a (laughs) paraphrasing of the hammer and nail. I'm like, that's Uh that actually would explain a lot that this guy's like a neurosurgeon. He doesn't know shit about funguses and stuff. And he's got a person's (laughs) immune. It's like the first thing we got to do is surgery this brain. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know much, but I know a lot about surgery on brains. And by God, we're going to surgery this brain. (laughs) Uh, Kale says during the Tuesday's podcast, Jim talked about how Joel physically couldn't survive if Ellie died. And it triggered a thought in me. In episode three, Bill Bill left a note for Joel explaining how they're the same person. They're both survivors, but they also live to protect the things they love. Bill is faced with the same choice to honor Frank's wish or deny it and how he could deal with it. Bill did honor his wish, but also decided he couldn't go on without Frank. Joel was faced with the same choice and wasn't ready to go. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this is another, I, I, I don't have much to add for this point other than I remember when we were, most people loved episode three, but the, there's a few people who's like, I just don't get it. I don't understand when we have a nine episode season, and there's all these imagined pacing issues later on. Um, how can we spend the time to delve into this Frank and Bill? And we talked about like, well, you learn so much about Ellie and 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 Joel through this exploration of Bill and Frank. Mm-hmm. And I, I never thought that like you would get those things looking backwards too. like these were telling these were telling us things about Joel that are going to be relevant all the way to the finale. Yeah, no, I like that comparison. Um, Bill went through with it, uh, uh, gave, gave Frank, you know, that moment and killed himself. Uh, yeah, I, I could see like if, if, you know, in this case, like, I guess Joel's Frank would be the world would be humanity, right? Like he'd be, he'd be letting Ellie die to save humanity and then he'd kill himself. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's different. I, I guess it's a matter of degrees, actually. Um, but it's a little bit different because Ellie wasn't going to die anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. So like Frank was was facing his imminent death, and Bill knew it. So so he gave him that. But I I don't know. Joel can't give can't give the world this gift of Ellie's death because Ellie has more time to live a lot more. I got to say that, like, I was a little sympathetic to, like, boy, it does seem it does seem to be spending a lot of time. As much as I liked the Bill and Frank, I could see, like, uh, I, if, if the back half of the season is feels rushed or whatever, then, you know, that's people going to point fingers. But, like, if anything, it felt like they had pl- all the time they needed in these last three or yeah. four episodes. I never felt like it was rushed. No, I mean, they even made new stuff up that isn't in the games with Ellie's mom, right? Like... Right. They had plenty of time. And this is what I was telling them. Like, that's what I was saying. The plot in this game is not super dense. Right. So six episodes is plenty of time to get where they need to get both, you know, physically in the world and also yeah. emotionally with Joel and Ellie. And honestly, I think they only really omitted like two or three even big set pieces, you know, of like Joel and Ellie. Yeah. Being and they're jo- largely like there just was- action stuff, right? 
Right, exactly. There there were certainly a lot of encounters with infected and other you know, Fedra and Firefly and various reaving forces on uh, around the land. But like the big like set pieces where you think about, um, you know, playing the game, it's like there weren't a lot that they omitted. Um, mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I, I thought it was pretty well paced. And I feel like that's something and I, I never did like I was with you this whole time too it's like it doesn't feel like that they are you know gonna have to rush because I was like you it's like there's just the the plot is not thin but the actual plot the cutscenes of it all is mm-hmm. something you could easily watch in like a couple hours on YouTube so yeah yeah it turns out they had time to elaborate and embellish and and um, I mean at this point in, I have just rock solid faith in this team for season two. And here's the thing. Like if they didn't have time, they would have done a 10th episode. They would have done an 11th episode, right? Sure. Th- there is no restriction at HBO saying you need to make this nine right. episodes. Yeah. yeah. No, they and wrote I, to the end of the story and they got there. <laughs> like, yeah. I have I'm a little fi- faith that they didn't fuck up the pacing so bad that they realized in post-production, oh shit, we need a 10th episode. Right. If anything, they in post production collapse an episode to to you know better pace things. But like, yeah, I hmm, it um, in fact, they they even had time to spare because like one of the penultimate episodes or one of the what was it episode seven or eight that was only like thirty five minutes long with yeah, like credits and stuff. And that finale was short, uh, like shorter mm-hmm. than I expected, and it did mm-hmm. backstory. So yeah, plenty of time. Yeah, watch out for that fungus be right back with more savage starlight here are the highlights coming up this week on bald move our coverage of hot d fire and blood and the 1980s shogun miniseries continues but then on tuesday for the first time in 35 years we asked a question who framed roger rabbit Hop aboard the train to Toontown as we revisit this incredible blending of live action and animation to see if it still holds up all this time later. Then on Wednesday, we get our first look at Blake Crouch's mind-bending sci-fi series, Dark Matter. The first two episodes drop simultaneously on Apple TV+, and we'll have a pair of podcasts quantumly linked ready for you to observe. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. We found something to fight for. This podcast, welcome back to Savage Starlight. 
Uh, Billy G says, is it possible... Um, is it possible that this isn't such a rush job as we seem to think with this brain procedure? Marlene got there before Joel and Ellie, so I would take it that she told the doctor about them hopefully making it. She might have even made it to Salt Lake City before they evacuated. That's a few months of the doctor thinking of ways to make a cure from this. He would even have the information on Ellie's mom getting affected right before birth. I'm still on the team fuck the fireflies, and they should have had at least <laughs> tried a few things first, but maybe the doctor thought this was the only way to get it done after running a few tests. Um, I find this unconvincing because if anything, the information Marlene would tell the doctor, it's a single case study at best. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a hair, it's a hearsay case study at that. And the fundamental details is are wrong. Anna lied to Marlene about the circumstances of Ellie's birth. Oh, right, right. So how the hell can the doctor from that one datum point where I, I knew a friend who got bit somewhere around the time she gave birth and she said she cut the cord 10 seconds before she was bit. And then 14 years later, this girl got bit and she was immune. Like, I, I just can't see how you go from that. Even if you're like, OK, I, I, I'm, I'm turning that over my mind. I'm in the shower and I'm thinking about immunity and pregnancy and 10 seconds before the umbilical. Co- like, how the fuck does all the years of that help you get to, OK, we got her here six hours later, cut her brain open. We got it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say they did six hours of testing on her, sure, but I don't know that that's enough testing. To confirm their bullshit hypothesis? <laughs> all, all, that... all the, like, 50 different theories they must have had, right? Like, maybe yeah. it's that, maybe it's that. And again, fundamentally based on half-true information at best. Um, yeah, I'm with I'm you on very this. Curious. I, I think it, it's a r- kind of ridiculous idea that this scientist should be cutting into this girl right now. Um, yeah. But I don't think we disagree on that. I am... Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I think, honestly, the our big disagreement is I think I thought we were going to fight over the premise of, like, if you have a single person you could sacrifice for a surefire attempt at the entire world, should you do it? Obviously, I, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but unfortunately, that wasn't the scenario the game and, or the show's presenting. And who is um, that girl to you, right? Like, is it is it your daughter or yeah. is it some stranger? Because those yeah, yeah, are yeah, not yeah. equivalent. Yeah, not if you want to get away from just pure ethics and morality. And again, talk about the human component, mm-hmm. of course. I am curious when we get to that chapter. Uh, of course, I'll have my 200 cylinders of propane. But I've heard alluded to that there is some things you can, they're discoverable snips of like journals and things that allude to the fact that they have had this like, very promising line of research and this theory, this hypothesis of this this function of uh immunity mm. in the brain and all they need is a a sing, like a like a, a living example of it and then they would have this breakthrough but even still even still uh and you lose that in the show uh, that's yeah not, yeah if it's not on screen it doesn't exist in the show so yeah like even if they had like a hypothetical stacks of manila folders with case studies and they sit that joel wouldn't be in a position to judge the veracity of this information <laughs> sure sure very few people would be in uh so you just kind of mm-hmm. gotta all put blind trust in went home and died so yeah all, <laughs> even fewer are available all of them went home to eat one last meal with their family and or a bullet so mm-hmm. uh Billy also says, how have the fire or have the fireflies ever seen the watchman? The way you handle the situation, if you don't want to kill Joel outright, is you keep him sedated until the procedure's over, then you wake him up so there's nothing he can do about it. Hell, you can even lie to him and tell him that it was Ellie's choice. 
On a serious note, though, my feelings on Joel's decision was once they took the choice from Ellie, they took the choice from Joel, too. There's no way he's going to just let them kill his new daughter without even giving her the option to agree. And and that's that's the humanity of it. That's why I think people still don't completely understand my fuck them Firefly standpoint is there was a group of people who had the time to consider how best to go about the situation. And this is the thing that they came up with. Um I, I feel like that's a fundamental inexcusable because this is such a this is such a precious opportunity to just completely mishandle it. And and I, there's a couple things other people wrote in, and, I, and we might even discuss this on Tuesday that like Marlene did not ter- think that Joel was going to turn into you know Daddy Pedro. He, she didn't totally. think that he was yeah. going to bond with Ellie and all that kind of thing. But like I said she thought it'd take a week or two to drive across the country. Right. Uh, Actually, no, not even that. She thought it'd take like a night to get them to, to get Ellie to the state house where the fireflies would just take her and that'd be it. Yeah. 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 Right. So the fact that it took five months to get there is crazy. But it's like, you know, if you, if you go down the path of like, well, the fireflies couldn't afford for Ellie to say, no, I don't even know what the fuck that means in this instance. But, like, it just seems like the natural thing to do would be to wipe out Joel, too. Um, but, I don't know. Maybe they yeah. it just never occurred to Marlene that Joel's going to catch, you know, father-daughter feelings for, for Ellie. Um, but you got to suspect that when they spent six months in the, in the shit together. Yeah, at this point, you might expect it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is there any potential that Marlene here is trying to save herself the same from the same fate as Joel and Ellie here. Like Joel spent six months with this girl, fell in love with mm-hmm. her and cannot sacrifice her. Mm-hmm. Is Marlene worried that the same thing, if she were to not cut Ellie open right now, <laughs> six hours in is going to happen to her. She's going to spend time with Ellie, fall in love with her and then won't be able to do what she needs to do. <laughs> I love the idea of them taking Ellie to an examination room in 15 minutes. The doctor's like, can I see everyone outside the room? They get out in the corridor. It's like, we have a problem. This fucking girl's too fucking adorable. If I spend five more minutes with her, I can already feel my resolve softening. Uh-huh. Five more minutes with this Ellie girl. And Make she says, call. fuck Make one more call, time. And I just can't do it. I can't do it. She's too cool. She's too fucking cool yep. and adorable. She whipped out that pun book and I was I was smitten. I, I couldn't help it. Because they're meteor. How can we cut this girl's brain? Yeah. No, I can. I can totally see it. Yeah. yeah. I can totally see it. Um, I, I think legitimately right. though Mar- Marlene is kind of worried about that too but yeah it could it, be it, yeah I don't know uh, we actually have a purported expert a Dr. Margaret who's a pediatrician from Montana okay. um, and I'm, I'm glad someone uh, several people but I'm glad that you guys uh, did uh, come forth with your opinion it says Aaron you're right on about the fireflies questionable motives regarding Ellie and basically everything now four out of five doctors said that the fireflies were right I of course cherry pick for the one that said there no that's <laughs> seems like all the experts I was kind of pleased to see just tons and tons of like the medical profession being genuinely horrified by the way they're oh, being portrayed yeah. in this because it's bad science it's bad science yeah, I don't know whether it's just doctors don't have enough time to play video games. They missed all this in the first round. But, like, I've always thought that the Fireflies were fucking weird Nazi medical research doctors. But it's it's nice. It's nice to have real MDs saying that, too. 
Uh, she gets technical, says the crux of the discussion rests on whether they should have included Ellie in the decision to do surgery. Ellie is a minor, so you're right. She can't consent to a procedure or a treatment that falls to her guardian. In this case, probably either Marlene or Joel, depending on where you stand uh, on who has more parental standing. Uh, but there's two issues with this, however. One, Ellie is, for all intents and purposes, an emancipated minor, which means she can absolutely consent for herself and should have been given a risk-benefits alternatives discussion given the chance to have her questions answered just as she would have done if she were an adult receiving chemo or a liver transplant or whatever. Two, if you take the argument that she's not emancipated, that's fair. However, in a situation like this or in chemotherapy or a transplant, something like that, um, a compass mentis, I mean mentally competent, is Latin for mentally competent, surely, 14-year-old child would be given the opportunity to assent to the procedure. This happens in medicine all the time with teenage children who are diagnosed with life-threatening illnesses that require a risky procedure to treat them. In many cases, a child will defer to their parents, but in some cases, a child will make a decision that's in opposition to the parental's wishes. This can be tricky in real-life medical world because the minor's wishes need to be taken into consideration as decisions are made. Either way, putting a child who has any ability to understand what she is in for medically without informing her and obtaining assent is at the very least criminal. I like the discussion between consent, which can only be given by a legal adult who is in, you know, a competent state of mind and is fully informed of all the facts as they stand versus assent, which is which is essentially saying, yeah, I agree with it, but it doesn't require the mental competency of an adult. Hmm. So like, okay. Yeah. Again, it, it, it by and and that's the thing is like you always can resort to the trolley problem. That's my big problem with the, the fireflies. Um, they're like, well, we couldn't risk asking Ellie. But what does that mean? You know, another professional wrote in and said, here's the thing. Um, Joel and Ellie, or, or or Joel and the fireflies both violated uh, Ellie's consent. You know, neither of them gave her a choice. Mm-hmm. One group's choice led to Ellie's death. One group's choice, or one 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 person robbing Ellie of her choice uh, was going to make her dead. One person robbing her of her choice was going to make her alive. Does that change? Mm-hmm. Does that does that does that help understand the moral calculus here? Because they're like, I feel I mean, like it feeds the, into it, yeah. Because people they are saying that like, well, they both robbed her of her choice, are acting as if those are equivalent choices that they were robbed of and i i feel like that that never sat well with me yeah yeah i mean it's like if you were robbed of the choice to have a procedure a liver transplant or something it doesn't mean you can't then make that choice again and go have it somewhere else Mm -hmm. whereas if you're if you're robbed of the choice to not make to not have that procedure uh, that's going to kill you, perhaps. Um, yeah. You might not have another chance at it, right? Like, it's it's not equivalent because Ellie never gets to experience anything ever again if the Fireflies take her choice. Right. Joel taking her choice means she lives on and could potentially make that decision later. True. She it's turns not, 18, not totally she equivalent. Out, says, now I'm going to go back to the hospital. Yeah, I... And the thing is, like, there aren't... <sighs> Boy, it's the apocalypse of the situation hurts too because right. what even is consent in the apocalypse when there and is like no a, society? 
if Joel says, well, when you get to be 18, you can choose to go to the hospital. Well, how do you, what if she doesn't, what if she gets torn apart on the way back to Jackson and that opportunity is lost forever? Like there, I am since I am sympathetic to there is some sense of urgency, not only just getting about saving humanity, but also like, yeah, the hospital could get overrun at any time. Uh, The power could could go off for the last time ever. The doctor could get bitten and then there's no one left to do research. But God damn, the the side of the urgency can't be like literally this woman what comes in with this man presents immunity. And as soon as we can, we are we're cutting her brain open sure sure yeah uh connor b from dallas as a new dad to a little girl the baby girl moment i found incredible but while that was emotional and gut-wrenching watching joel and ellie with the drafts was a real surrogate father moment for me joel grabs the branches and doesn't give some of the branches to ellie so that they can both feed the giraffe he gives all the branches to ellie so that he can watch her feed the giraffe I felt that deep down as a new dad. There's something better than experiencing something, and that's watching your kid experience something. Yep. And Daddy Pedro nailed that emotion. Like, got got all that. Oh, mm-hmm. speak, speaking, I don't know. We're, are we speaking of dumbass Aaron moments? I'm going to speak of a dumb, dumbass Aaron moment. <laughs> okay. I got a lot of this. I was going on about how this is a real giraffe and it was filmed in front of a green screen, and it gave its, its face a weird greenish tint. And I watched behind the scene um, Instagram and stuff that they were showing Pedro and Bella in front of the giraffe. And I mentioned the giraffe had the the green screen. I got like 12 emails that showed that I was wrong. The giraffe was in front of a blue screen. Oh, my God. Well, this is a total. The shading of the giraffe itself would make green. Boom! You saved me. But but seriously, I would have sworn on any number of stacks of Bibles, I would have bet a week's pay (laughs) that... And I just seen this shit 24 hours before I recorded. It literally blew my mind. It was this intense, like, that Mandela effect or the Berenstain, Berenstain effect. Like, I... And that's usually from like, well, you read a book when you're a kid and you found out the title is wrong. That literally happened 24 hours ago. (laughs) Yeah, man. Look, shit I can't coming at me fast. What I in did in this weekend. So, yeah, shit, shit came at me fast in the old inbox. I went from Pedro's Pedro dildos to blue screen <laughs> giraffes. It just, I really was questioning my reality this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carly, this show has blown my emotional mind. I'm not sure if becoming a mother during the actual global pandemic has played a role, but I truly cannot remember the last time I felt so emotionally moved while watching television. Every up and down, I personally felt through the entire season. As a woman who's been a young teen, I felt sadness for Ellie's trauma. Then now, the desperation of Joel as a parent. And as a show-only watcher, the giraffe scene made me audibly gasp. I never saw it coming. What a sense of wonder. The show has truly changed my appreciation for things I take for granted. I've not eaten a strawberry the same since episode three. I walked Hmm. by the arcade not long ago and stood for a moment with wonder, taking in the lights and sounds. The next time I visit our local zoo and feed a giraffe, it just won't be the same in the best sort of way. Uh, lots of people said as Sholene watchers that the giraffe scene worked, and I'm glad because that's it. It's just no matter how shitty the mm-hmm. world gets, you never know when you're going to turn a corner and there is a surprise giraffe. <laughs> and you kind of yeah. live for the surprise giraffes in uh, life. Sure. Sure. I wish I could feel something that deeply. That'd be nice. 
go to an arcade and be like, man, look at this. This marvel was, of yeah. modernity here. Yeah, I was trying to think about like going to Dave and Buster's with that, you know, and like not thinking that this carpet smells mildewy and the bathroom hasn't been cleaned yet today. And, and I'm going to touch a know. joystick that 15 eight year olds have just been uh, putting their hands all over. Yeah, I got to touch joysticks of 20 vaccine hesitant children. Uh-huh. Uh, what am I doing here? Yeah, 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 I know. Um Kudos to you if you're able to hold on to, especially these winter strawberries we've been getting of late. Uh, they're not even in-season strawberries. If you can see the glory of that, oh my god! Mm-hmm. Wait till you have one of Frank's right out of the patch strawberries. Um, hey, that's the power of that's the power of media, man. It um, really can have you have uh, profound life. I mean, I definitely there's like two or three shows that have wildly changed my personal outlook on things. Um, yeah, the wire is totally. one of them. The leftovers is one of them. Um, and honestly, playing The Last of Us and The Last of Us Two is another one. Um, had big, pretty profound impacts on like my worldview and how I saw things. Uh, Justin from Columbus, Ohio says the part that annoyed me most about the episode was that I perceived it as a break of character for Joel. Throughout the show, we were told Joel is not the capable fighter he used to be. The kid almost kills him in Kansas City. One guy at the bat about kills him in Colorado, but now he just mows down 500 fireflies with no problems. Do you feel like that part was earned? Uh, He's he's in full contractor mode here. You know, this is it. This is the moment for him. Yeah. Before he didn't have this love for Ellie to fight for so much. You know, it hadn't crystallized as, as well as it has here. Yeah, I I think that uh, I I'm a firm believer that you can that dad powers are real, um, that in extreme uh, instances of stress and uh, danger that they can be magnified. Um, Joel and these other senses does did not have like a fully kitted out assault rifle, um, and the True. element of surprise probably, and yeah, it's it's one of the things like it's a it's a one in a million thing. Like mm-hmm. in the average player playing <laughs> who hasn't had the foresight to stockpile 200 rounds of flamethrower ammo finds this section of the game fairly tricky. You know, you're probably going to die sure. a couple of times in the course of doing it. But like Pedro is that one in a million guy who I guess that's a Joel uh, who's able to fight through and, and win. And I love it as like his arc completing here. Right. Um, he's failed Ellie so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his own mind that this is the moment he will not fail again and he doesn't he saves her whether he should or not is is a different question well, but in but this that moment he saves to her it. like the, fi- the time totally, where Joel finally yeah. just does it and you know becomes this thing and saves Ellie ultimately is the one time where it's like ah oh, god should you you know is this your right should you have done that um uh, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the real interesting moral questions is what comes next. You know, does 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 Joel and Ellie ever find a way to talk about this? Does it become, you know, at what point do you tell a, um, a, a person that you killed 50 people and perhaps threw away the world's chance at redemption just because you like the pleasure of their company? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that do to them? You know, how, well, how do you process that? Sure. You know. Uh, and it's it's like it works on multiple levels because like Ellie clearly 
got something out of this thought of that she was special. You know, she got a lot of motivation from that. What if not only was that thrown away, but like by the person that you loved the most, but they were doing it to save you? Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah. And then how do you talk? Or like, you know, it's like, you see, Ellie, uh, when I got there, their generators were flickering. The scientist had, uh, you know, chili sauce on his, his smock. He was not a serious. <laughs> sure. He's not a serious doctor, Ellie. You got to believe me that there's no chance, no chance at all that you would actually save the world. Like, well, yeah. How do you how do you get into that conversation? Even oh, if it's true, know. if it's 100 percent true, how do you convince Helen? She's never been in a functional hospital. How would you convince her that these mm-hmm. people are insane? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. The Last of Us Part Two, unless they just—I think The Last of Us Part Two is just going to be Ellie and Joel having no troubles. Yeah, they're going to just go around the various. Yeah, they're going to build. They're going to get. They're going to round up the monkeys and the giraffes and start a post-apocalyptic zoo Uh in Jackson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just going to be. It's just going to be a nice uh, father-daughter bonding season. That's it. That's it. Sounds good. Shamim says, not having played the game and honestly resenting anything that diminishes Pedro's screen time, I have to advocate for a limited use of the infected in the show. So this is, we've I had a lot of people okay. talking about how, and we have over the last few episodes, the lack of infected somewhat takes away from some of the other points the game's trying to make about the criticality of this vaccine and whatnot, right? Uh, so Shamim says... You need all of the doing type stuff to play a game, but in the show, it's the story of the people, and I'm happy to just know they're coming across infected occasionally while off screen. I'm thinking of The Walking Dead, where after a while, because they keep encountering walkers, they had to keep upping the stakes until city-sized hordes didn't even matter, and soon the walkers were being comical and even boring. I think making them rare and unseen menace is smart. But what if they could climb and open doors? <laughs> What if they could jiggle doorknobs? Uh-huh. What Jigglers. if they could they, they could just jiggle? If they could just jiggle the doorknob. The jiggling um, dead. It's the new spinoff from AMC. Uh, a, uh I feel like there's a there's a uh uh an LL Cool J song that talks about this phenomenon. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Wasn't he had a jiggling there's a j- jiggling baby song? Had to be. Had to be. Don't, don't jiggle your babies. Don't. Don't shake them, don't maybe jiggle them. Maybe it's a too short thing. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't jiggle any babies. Hmm. It's too, too, too hard on their central nervous system. I I, I mean, I'm sympathetic. I, I actually think that the show, um, if you're choosing more and more infected versus less infected, but more character, if you have a stick that can control that balance, I would rather them err on the side of too much... Uh, dear God, our producer just said "Jingling Baby" by LL Cool J is indeed a song. Uh, right. Yeah, fire that up in Spotify if you if you wanna if you wanna know how you jingling. Did you j- no it's jingling, album? not jiggle, not jiggle. Is it a Chris? I don't think it's a. It feels more of a horny song than a Christmas song. Sometimes <laughs> Christmas songs can be horny. I mean, it's Daddy in a medley with Claus, big old butt, stuff. so probably a sex song. Probably a sex song. Um. Shit, what were we talking about? Oh, yes, you got a you got a lever between max zombies, walking dead, no character, minimal zombies, maximum character. I'm glad they chose to do the latter setting. But and I and I think Craig and and Neil themselves said as much in the final podcast. I think you could take that lever and move it 10 or 15 degrees back towards the walking dead side and 
you would not sacrifice the characters and you would get a little bit more action and danger, which is that's that's required of the setting. You have to believe that the infected are a constant threat. And I do think, you know, I played the game, so I didn't have any problems believing that like off screen, all this shit is happening. I think next season they need to get a little bit of that. Find a way with cold opens or something to show that these characters are struggling with this present, ever present menace. Yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge in season two because I I expect that season two will have less reason to go to infected stuff. Um, really, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's the other thing they said is like that is as as brilliant as the tendril idea was. I do think that they realized themselves that like, oh Jesus, this is something we can't use every episode because what the hell are you going to do? Defeat an entire city size horde every episode? There's no way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I said, I, I, I'm glad they went this way versus the other, but I do think they can bump it up. And I think they are promising that they will. So we'll see. Uh, Jeb says, I didn't like how Marlene just shows up at the end. It feels like it makes the whole Fireflies need you to take her journey seem kind of dumb. If she could have just taken Ellie anyway, but maybe that's just in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, it's it in that moment you got to think about what just happened, right? Her entire squad was just decimated by whatever his name was. Paul, Peter, I forget his name. Bob. Um, Bob? No, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> hey, you know, we'll, we'll meet the son of a bitch on Sunday night, though, won't we? Twitch.tv slash Paul Move. We sure will. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her, she was just, like, laid low by that dude, so she didn't really Got have, shot herself. have her shit together. Yeah. right she was gut shot she needed time to recover um joel was kind of her only option in that moment fedra was closing in right yeah. on that location they they needed to get her out right now um so i see why she did it and like i said earlier she just thought he was escorting her to the state house where mm-hmm. other fireflies were waiting to pick her up and take her so she didn't expect this to be a five month six month mission that yeah. they were going on and once they're gone like and I'm trying to think, okay, so Marlene is a very high-ranking Firefly soldier, right? She apparently is the boss in the entire Boston quarantine zone, which since Boston is a very large city, probably one of the you know, bigger quarantine zones. It's not like the mm-hmm. Cincinnati quarantine zone or the Sioux City Falls quarantine zone. Like, just Boston's pretty big, pretty big major metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. And that entire squad, like you said, the entire Firefly organization in Boston seemed like it got just rolled up and then maybe it's a regional catastrophe because a big you know um, another force of fireflies are ready to take them to where they needed to go also got rolled up so um it seemed like there's a lot and you know she's gut shot but like since she is a high-ranking fedra soldier and or probably officer and she no longer has a group of people to protect like doesn't doesn't it make sense that they would recall her to the headquarters you know because what else is she going to do yeah, I mean, as far as her just showing up, yeah, um, I guess I don't have a huge problem with it. Yeah, but it, like if sure Riley maybe I shows up, if if Riley showed up, uh, you know, if she hadn't gotten bitten, like a low level Fedra sol- or Firefly soldier shows up at the Firefly headquarters, that might. But like, yeah, Marlene, she's like a field general, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm making excuses for it, but that's how maybe, I rationalized maybe. it. 
Um, Ryan says, it looks like there's general agreement that the Fireflies had a legit doctor acting in good faith with ample scientific evidence that Ellie's brain would in fact lead to a cure. And what Joel did was wrong. Even though there's a serious ethical issue of killing Ellie without her consent, it saves the world. Uh, if it saves the world, then it's an easy trolley problem to figure out. Also, if the Fireflies were clearly a bunch of incompetent goons who were about to botch the handling of a once-in-a-lifetime chance at a cure, then what Joel did was right. But the show didn't really give us an indication in either direction. The doctors seemed professional and legit before Joel blew his brains out, but the Fireflies also demonstrated themselves to be bungling fools. I don't think this level of ambiguity is good storytelling. I also don't think that anyone can really come to any conclusions about how successful the surgery would have been. It's an unsatisfying ending because it's needlessly ambiguous. They had more time in the episode to justify or condemn Joel's actions. They needed to go one way or the other because the message of he loves her so he saves her isn't convincing or even justifiable considering the fate of humanity being at stake. Jim, what do you make of this objection? So I I kind of agree with this. I Look, all of the emotional beats hit. I don't think it's a problem with the the character motivations. I don't think it's a problem with any of that stuff. It might be a matter of being too familiar with the material as a writer and having the benefit of the guy who made up the fucking story in the first place sitting right next to you to when you say, hey, does this make sense? He says, yeah, because this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And that stuff ne- never quite makes it on screen. Mm-hmm. Or in your head it made it on screen because you just expect people to go with what you tell them not to question that you know they they might not have power here and this doctor might not have thought through it there might be other solutions i i think it's a minor failing like a, a super minor failing it doesn't it doesn't ruin it in any way in my opinion but like yeah i could see it i could see it if you're I think just one of the not reasons- buying it it's so interesting is because it's not reducible to an easy answer. You know, like all the stuff that is like, you know, the whole totally. fucking fireflies part of it is more interesting than, cause I, I watch a lot of people. I like to watch people debate philosophy and politics and whatnot. And it's astounding how many times when people from different viewpoints get together that like they're three, they're anytime three moves away from a Nazi comparison or a rape analogy. Oh, boy. Because they're desperately trying to reduce their position to something that you obviously can't. Like, you know, it's like you're arguing, like, Mm -hmm. should John Deere be able to outlaw farmers from mucking around with their million-dollar tractors? And, like, you're, you know, three turns later, the exasperated person who's for free technology says, so let me get this straight. You think that John Deere should be able to strap down farmers and, no, well, what the fuck? No, well, of course I don't agree (laughs) with that. Straw manning, yeah. Right, right. Uh, no one ever tries to straw man or steel man a position. It's I I wish that that Neil I guess twelve years ago had steel manned both positions. So really, uh-huh. you could spend like hours and hours debating about this. But like it seems like what he did is make up a really messy thing. Where like you said, if the Fireflies are right and they can make a cure hundred percent, then Joel's a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. And if Joel and if 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 the evidence available to you suggests that the fireflies were incompetent or this was a hail mary and they sh- they were bungling and hasty, then Joel's right. Um, but I I think that's better than if like Joel had come across a a journey a, a like a journal from the doctor where he's in completely insane, you know, where he's <laughs> sure. like all yeah yeah 
all work and no brains to cut on makes Dr. Jack a dull, dull boy. Like if this is just written over and over and over again, you know, yeah. like that's an, e- then, and then there's, it's no longer a, a moral question. And I think that's what Druckmann wanted to do, but you know, I, I guess I was a little disappointed cause I thought like, you know, obviously Druckmann's a much younger person when he conceived of the story and wrote it. I, I mm-hmm. was hoping that maybe they would do a little bit of that steel manning so that I would really on the final episode be like, damn, I guess the fire, Ooh, it's a tougher one for me to judge than I thought, but it it's literally the game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, and that was kind of their philosophy going in, right? If the game did it extremely well and they couldn't do it better, then don't change it. Um, Boy, here, this it's... might be a case where maybe they could have done it slightly better. Hmm. Maybe it would have paid off. I, I will say that everybody like hones in on this, like doctor checking in. Do we have enough power for this procedure? Yeah, that came up a lot. Yeah, I don't think this is something you can say you can point to and say the fireflies are ill prepared and dumbasses and like oh, they're going to try this procedure when they don't have enough power. This is pre-surgery checks that you absolutely want to do. And in the apocalypse, where you're running on generators, one of the pre-surgery checks you should probably do is, do we have enough power? Are, yeah. are we good on power? Just yeah. like you would say, are do we have the fucking blood here to transfuse if we need it? Sure. Do we have the fucking hemostats? And do we have the gauze? Yeah. And like, you want all of these things checked. This is the pre-flight check, right? Mm-hmm. You check, do we have fuel? Well, of course you need fucking fuel in your plane, mm-hmm. right? Or you're not going anywhere, but you still check it. Right. Even if it's foundational and fundamental and obvious. So I think this guy checking the power is smart, not an indicator that they're like shoestring and unable to pull this off. Um, I think it's a little bit of both because obviously if a hospital has got like, but, but it's also the... Uh, Apocalypse. There's no place with stable exactly. power. Probably not yeah. even Jackson. You know, like, and they're uh-huh. hooked up to the a fucking hydro power generator. So certainly not in the game, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when we go to the ad, make every shot count. We'll be back with more of Savage Starlight. <laughs> Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, if very special isn't your speed, we've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. listening to quite a few bald move podcasts now but you're not in the club who boy you are missing out not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad free but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club 
There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. We're not the cure for mankind, but we have your favorite podcast. Here's more of Savage Starlight. Um, let's move on to Sierra. Says I felt very strong Daenerys with the bells vibes from Joel in this episode. The graphic murders juxtaposed with this weirdly happy demeanor with Ellie after reminded me of Danny burning the small folk and then making the cheerful speech to the Unsullied. Hmm. My reaction to this episode is also the same as the Game of Thrones one, and that I couldn't suspend my disbelief and really buy what I was seeing. It's not that I didn't understand the character motivations here for Danny or Joel, because I understand why they might go on these murder sprees, but the scaffolding the writers have set up in order to push these characters over the edge seems flimsy. Joel slash Danny felt railroaded into these tipping points where they chose violence. The Fireflies really had to immediately kill Ellie and then just expected Joel to calmly walk out of the door. They're going to instantly kill the only immune human they've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it's baited to me because it made the connection between Danny and Joel, which I don't, <laughs> I don't uh-huh. agree. I don't agree with that because I felt like Danny, the situation there is like Danny literally got everything she wanted and then went mm-hmm. on a murder spree. It's like if Joel came up uh, to Marlene and is like, God damn it, you can't operate her until I hear from myself. That Ellie wants to do this. And she's like, okay, mm-hmm. Joel, let's go. We'll interrupt her out of surgery. You can talk to herself and you, she can tell you. And then at the end, he's like, nah, fuck it. Pop, pop, it starts blowing. You know, Ellie's like, no, Joel, this is what I want. They've convinced me. They gave me a six hour PowerPoint while you were, ex- and like, it's 100% <laughs> cure. And this is what I wanted. I've, yeah. like, that's the Danny and the Bell situation. The city was I've- surrendered. That's what the Bells were all about. Like, you know okay but yeah i've blocked that out of my mind season eight oh, is a, a void in my mind uh god i mean i've only seen those episodes two or three times and i you know took notes on them and did feedback and all that stuff but like yeah i still mm-hmm. god damn it still pisses me off um <laughs> i remember it fucked fireflies and a much less degree of intensity and hatred but also fuck them double d's fuck them double yeah. d's had one opportunity to tell George Martin's story because let's face it, we're not getting uh, we're not getting them in book form. No, and they fucking ripped the patient's brains right out in season seven and eight. Ah, mm-hmm. ah, and for what? So Disney can cancel your three hundred million dollars Star Wars trilogy? <laughs> God damn. Okay, we got to get off the subject. I'm gonna get yeah. heated. <sighs> All right, Michael T. says, I just got done listening to the instant take, and I 100% agree with Aaron. Well, thank you. That Joel killing all these guys felt weirdly anticlimactic. Oh, 
Wow. Okay. I personally <laughs> think right. the show cut too much of the action in general, but specifically that sequence looked like a leisurely stroll with Joel as he killed those 30 dudes. It should have felt more like John Wick or when Daredevil kicked ass through the apartment building, a man desperately and against all odds making his way to save his daughter. But for me, it felt like they just yada yada through what should have been a pulse pounding final shootout. Ooh. All right. I, I think it's to each I, their own on this. I, I, I will. It's not even agree to disagree. It's like, I enjoyed what they did. Would I have enjoyed a John Wick style thing as well? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, ah, God, again, is there a middle ground here? Because clearly Neil and Craig did not want to glorify violence in this moment because it's going Mm. against what they're trying to say. Like, you're supposed to understand, like, you, when you see John Wick killing many, many, many people and Daredevil kicking much, much ass in hallways, you never think, oh, God, this is really going to traumatize them. And boy, how is John Wick going to explain this to his new puppy that he did all this over? I mean, I just don't know. Like, you're just like, this is a righteous person with a righteous cause against evil people, and they all fucking need to die or get their joints dislocated, depending on (laughs) Daredevil or John Wick. You're Uh not supposed to feel that way. But I I wonder if there's a way for them to start off with it being very badass and yes, yes, and then the longer it goes on, like, they change up the music, they change it to slow-mo. Uh, Pedro plays Hmm. a little like very detached deranged and but the thing is is like to really sell that you'd need like horror from like Ellie and the way they constructed Hmm. the scene that wasn't ever going to happen I think you're supposed to feel that from the doctor like the true civilians these aren't Firefly soldiers like their terror at Joel but like it doesn't quite get there because could you see it from Marlene Could, could Marlene be the the horror surrogate here like it's if tough. she were falling back right and and joel is yeah. steamrolling all her guys and she's seeing this happen and falling back and falling back and joel keeps coming maybe you could get there i don't know maybe i think you like marlene idea. yeah no i think I, that's what i'm saying i i don't know how you do it better because like they again they clearly committed to the the other approach where it's like you're supposed to feel bad this it feels anticlimactic because as gamers we remember feeling like we beat that fucking game right in that mm-hmm. moment you yeah. know, the denouement that's kind of like soul crushing hasn't come yet, but we are <laughs> saving the princess from the castle. We are, sure. you know, we are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando saving Alyssa Milano from the evil fucking, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the Central American <laughs> fictional country henchman, right? And Bennett. Uh-huh. Um, you're not supposed to feel it this way, but like because of the artificially constructed scenario the ways you would eventually have because because we are joel you'd have to come you'd have to you'd have to make it feel authentically sick from joel's pov and i don't think there's a single pov that can make him feel that way except through ellie and ellie's unconscious so and i think maybe that's actually neil worked this out cleverly that you don't get that horror until it's already done and you're on the precipice of the promised land where you can just see the future of playing guitar and raising sheep and 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 growing old and watching Ellie turn into a strong woman uh, and, and you're her surrogate dad. And at that moment, you get to feel the horror of what you've done. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't have a big problem with the way they did it, honestly. Uh, like I said, it's to each their own here. Mm. Well, maybe I said maybe we should I, both compile because like I did I definitely got the anticlimax, but I don't think it's 
an unintended effect. I think they were going for that. It's just that it surprised us because... And maybe we only gamers think this way. Because that's the other thing. It's like, I, I really do... I never felt like when I was doing the Rampage that I was doing something wrong. It wasn't until after the fact where I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, Ellie's in my arms going down the elevator. You even start to think about, like, fuck. Yeah, you know? I don't know that you're supposed... I don't know that the slow-mo here is necessarily supposed to indicate the the meta conceptual horror that is happening here like you're you, what you're doing here is effectively you know murdering a bunch of people walking down a hall in slow motion in order to doom humanity i don't i don't think that's necessarily at least not all you're supposed to be feeling or not even the majority of what you're supposed to be feeling what you're supposed to be feeling is a father protecting his daughter Hmm. And I think they nail that. I, I like that's the thing that stuck out to me is this slow motion is telling you how much Ellie means to Joel now, and what yeah, he, what links he would go to. You know, it it doesn't have to be John Wick to convey that. And in in my mind, it's even better that it's not John Wick because John Wick, you get caught up in the action, the coolness of it. In this, you're caught up in the emotion of it because it's presenting it this way. Yeah. So like this is like season. So. Oh, man, I can't agree with you because like I'm trying to think of like if you just take the music out of it, this scene looks a lot like uh, Kevin saving Jill in The Last of Us and the, I mean, the Leftovers and Leftovers and <laughs> yeah. season one yeah. of the Leftovers. Right. It's like the slow mo. It's the father with the shark and the fire cradling house. it. Yeah. There's he's br- busting out of the dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. But the music Mac Rick, Max Richter is not making us feel like, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the, the, the dad in that circumstances is selling his soul or something. Whereas the music in The Last okay. of Us was doing everything in its power to convince us that this is a sad thing that's happening. Like I said, the, the music's oh, it's, it's almost it, hmm. the feeling was it, it very much like uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's weird because the music in this it, it, there's there's a haunting quality to it that gives you that sadness, but there's also a beauty to it. I. So the thing I love about huh. the music of The Last of Us is every theme that you're presented with is both beautiful and haunting. And I felt both of those things in this moment, right? I felt the father's love yeah. for his daughter and I felt okay. the the world ending decision that he's making here at the same time. Yeah, I, I keep coming back to that scene in The Rock where Ed Harris is murdering Michael Bain and you mm-hmm. kind of feel like there's that conflicting too because like Ed Harris's essential goodness and nobility is put on display in this scene where against his will as men are murdering these other guys uh-huh. who are, you know, I think Ed Harris thinks are good guys. Sure. Um, and the, the the thing is like, it's like, it sells that kind of tragedy thing too, but it's also using it to, as a narrative device to make you feel better about the villain. If you want to, because there's a lot of email, a lot of people took the thesis of Joel is, if you properly understand the villain, I'm sorry. Maybe next week we'll be all about that if you got a really good take on that. But I just can't I can't pound my moral worldview into a shape that makes Joel out to be a villain. You know, like I have to 100 percent buy that the Firefly scientist is 100 Mm percent right before I can get to there. And even then it's it's tough for me. But. um, Yeah. Okay. Um. Dante says, I'll preface this by saying The Last of Us 1 is one of my favorite games of all time. I've replayed it so many times on an every system. PS3, PS4, now PS5. Got the hat trick. 
I think the show is evidence that for a story-driven narrative game like this, no show and or movie adaptation can beat it. This was an early thesis in the Spore lore. Is like, can this show be better than the game if you're mm-hmm. a game-first player? Games are so cinematic now, and they offer a level of immersion that the show and movie can't quite replicate. This felt like The Last of Us light for people who don't play games but just want to experience the story. The Last of Us for my mom or fiancé who don't play video games. I think the show is good but not amazing. It's got great acting, although I was kind of meh on Bella as Ellie. Woof. Controversial opinion. Uh, great set design and effects and cinematography. I'm very curious how season two will shake out. I wasn't the biggest fan of The Last of Us 2, though there were moments of brilliance. There are also moments of fuck this game, so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt part two. Yeah, I... Ah, man. Uh, where is your temperature on you were a game first player and now you are an enjoyer of the show? Do you think the last of us one video game is better from your purely subjective opinion than the last of Us series? Going to make me answer this. I'll say I'll, <laughs> I'll go first. I think, yes, I think if you played the game first, you probably, think this show is a little bit paler imitation of the video game. I'm not sure what you would make of being a show first watcher and then playing the video game. Maybe you'd think that the character moments are just so diluted in the wash of violence and gameplay mechanics that you can't, you know, cause you can go like, that's the thing I was like, you can go three, four hours of just shooting zombies and looting in between yeah. emotionally devastating gut punches um that's the thing that's killing me on this question is i remember being frustrated at times with this game because it is a very hard game as well it's not even on normal it's not like a walk in the park yeah you're you're gonna gonna die at zero deaths yeah Uh no you're gonna die and in some cases and when i did it i'll die over and over and over Mm -hmm. that that uh what is it horde mode essentially when you and david when you're playing ellie and david is in the Uh the cabin oh, or whatever it is with mill? you yeah the, the sawmill yeah uh i died dozens upon dozens of times in that encounter and it took sure. me probably an hour just to get through that fucking part of the game yeah uh there's a that, similar really that, dark that clicker sequence the... up front that was i found very hard yeah there's like yeah, six clickers they're... in a dark uh department store or something that you have to get through with almost no ammo at least i did right and... right and that's the thing that disrupts the flow of that game uh, unnaturally because I, I think the game would be better if it was slightly less hard on the lowest difficulty because normal is the lowest difficulty. You can't go lower than that. Oh, really? They haven't added yeah. an easy mode? Hmm. To my recollection, at least in the version I played, yeah, I don't think you can go below normal. I played the remastered version. Okay. On PS4. Because I'm going to play it on normal mode too and I remember it being challenging but not impossible. Um, uh-huh. But oh, there yeah, were definitely yeah. there were two or three points where I was really frustrated, you know. I mean, I made it through the game, but yeah, that was pretty frustrating. So that diminished my experience, frankly. Um, huh. The show doesn't have those moments where you get frustrated because you right. have to watch the same scene fifteen to to thirty times in a row, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I think they're different. I think they're different because I really appreciate about the show that you get more information about certain characters and the mm-hmm. directions they choose to take these stories are not the same. Uh, especially I'm especially looking at Bill and Frank 
I yeah, think the Bill and Frank story in the show is light years better. Yes. The, the Bill and Frank story in the game, the reveal is interesting. I will give mm-hmm. them that. Like, I like how the information that they gave you was doled out. I don't think the information itself is very compelling whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um. In the but show, when I played the yeah, game, I, I will say so that it's more. not like I got the end of Bill Town. I'm like, you know what? No. I could have used a really tragic <laughs> and touching story about Bill and Frank for like an hour in there. You know, it's like you don't know what you're right. missing. Right, right, right. Um, but now that I have it, I do know. And I'm like, it could have been so much better in the game. No, it's there not are like action sequences that you can't do in the show and have them be as affecting either. So, yeah, because like you're not playing the show. You're watching the show. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where like you don't know what you're missing, and there's also like the first time bias, and uh, and it's not like I think there's a yawning gap, you know. It's not like oh, if you've not heard Shakespeare and the original Klingon, you just can't even understand. <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think you are you are like ninety percent of the way toward ninety five percent of the way on the game uh, mm-hmm. or on the TV show to experiencing everything you experience in the game, and all the emotional p- points work as well except for maybe the last one because i do think there is something about getting caught up in just mowing these fuckers down and the just and the and the and the the justice of your cause that that final beat with ellie just really nails you maybe in a way that you couldn't appreciate in a 40 minute episode where you're just kind of like you know um yeah there is something about it being your pov and your actions and you being joel not watching joel but you being joel that makes it a little bit more affecting i think yeah whereas i found like with the david scenario it was the opposite right like me being ellie in that moment and like fighting this guy it felt more like a boss encounter than it did an emotionally Mm. affecting moment for the character Mm. and it it lost a little bit of steam and and to bella's credit like i think her acting in here is what makes this scene work yeah um as effectively as, as it does so like yeah and you'll see if you watch the playthrough of that, it's like there's a little bit of remove the POV where it's like when you're experiencing that, you're mostly looking at David and him doing things to you. And you're kind of like off Ellie's shoulder and experiencing these things where like in the uh-huh. TV show, the fixation, the fixation is on Bella and, and Ellie's face. And you get to see like. I, yeah. I, I that that's a little bit more connecting in that, like almost more than, than being Ellie is seeing Ellie in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you don't die 15 times in that scene. True. Which doesn't undercut the tension, which doesn't, uh, you know, right. uh, distract you from the plot. So, right. I don't know. I, I think they're very different things. Um, I enjoyed the sense of, of nervousness and tension that I get from being Joel and being Ellie in those situations, uh, but it's mm-hmm. different. So I guess this is one of those agree to disagree. If you think the game is better... I understand why, but I also, yeah, yeah. for my money, I think the show has done it in some places much better, in other places maybe slightly better or slightly worse. But yeah. overall, I like, I think I like the show more. The other thing is interesting is I'd love to see this question in 20 years because I could entirely, because I remember when Half Life, the original, came out, I'm like, Jesus Christ, games will never look more realistic than this. Like, they, we've sure, done it. Sure. We've done it. And you go back and you look at those, cla- like the classic Half Life, it's dog shit. So it's boxy. dog shit. The, the, yeah. Oh, the models and the textures and everything. 
And as good as they are in The Last of Us, especially the remastered edition of The Last of Us 2, I do wonder 20 years from now, will we be like, God damn, there's some uncal- uncanny valley shit going on here where like Pedro and Bella are always going to look this awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, when when they can start doing uh, real-time Luke Skywalker stuff that they did in Mandalorian Season 2. Sure. Sure. That will be when you can get to games standing the test of time graphically. But I, yeah, even the stuff they're doing on PS5 is not going to stand the test of time. Yeah. It's it's tough because, like, I thought the same thing about the Lord of the Rings series. I thought those would always look amazing. And already there's, like, some sequences like the Cave Troll and Fellowship where it's like, I can tell this dude is a lump of CGI. Uh-huh. Or I would never thought that back in 1999. So... I don't know. We'll see. Ask me again in nine weeks when I played the game through. Uh, Let's yeah. Let me throw that wrinkle on there. I watched these episodes twice. I've thought about them in detail. I've taken notes. I've made outlines. I've talked about them for hours. I didn't do any of that shit with the game. Maybe if I had while I was playing the game, I would appreciate the game even more. True. This format makes me appreciate the show significantly more, I think, than I would if I were just watching it on a weekly basis once and then going about my life. So that's that's a wrinkle. All right, final non-spoiler edition. Rob from Canada says, I find myself very tempted to try to learn something, anything about season two, but I'm deeply terrified by the reality that a simple Google search will infect my poor brain with all the spoilers about everything that happens. Uh, You're right to fear that, Rob. I love a tease, a hint, a mostly spoiler-free whistle-wetter of what's to come in season two based on the game. Perhaps you could attach an umbilical cord to my brain for 10 seconds and pump an Ellie-sized dose of season two teasers so I can satiate my craving without getting completely infected. (laughs) Suspect others are in this boat, too. Jim, do we give the clearly addicted person another hit of Mm -hmm. heroin, or -hmm. should we say, hey, you need the methadone, kid? I mean, if I were Craig Mazin, I'd give him that hit because i want to keep him on the supply all right uh, let's both try it i'm gonna all right do you i go can first? do one okay okay uh jackson will be back <laughs> is that enough of a spoiler is okay. that like not a spoiler because that's where they're headed at the end of this but jackson will be i'm gonna enjoy seeing the jackson stuff can you conceive, Rob, right now, a scenario where you may hate Joel and Ellie? Mm. Because some people already hate Joel for his that's decision. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. But those are people that I, 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 I honestly can't, I, I can't fathom their their worldview. It's not yeah. an invalid one. It's just I've had very different experiences and whatnot. I think The Last of Us 2 in is a, the moral kaleidoscope shifts around to see if they can get you there. Yeah, a lot of a lot of hard questions, uh, a lot of a lot of difficult leaps to make. Yeah, in the next season, or maybe you like can can you get can you can your worldview encompass uh, a point of view where you could see Ellie and Joel as the villain? You know. Because uh, I think that's please, things that they explore in, in The Last of Us 2. So, yeah. Uh, enjoy the next 18 months. That's it. We are now going to get to the super spoiler. There is no more spoiler section because we're done with The Last of Us 1 in its entirety. This is only for people who have not played or have, have played the, the second game. Uh, so if that's not you, you should probably check out now. Um, again, I will be playing this on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. 
um sunday night 9 p.m eastern at twitch.tv slash bald move if you missed the live show we will be within a day or two copying that over to our youtube youtube.com slash bald move like follow subscribe us at those areas if you want to make sure you don't miss anything twitter is another great place to follow us twitter.com slash bald move uh yeah if you've gotten this far and uh, you've listened to all of our, our feedback sections and you think we're, you know, worth listening to, I would encourage you to check out uh, support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get even more great Bald Move content in your life. We do at least one bonus show for our club members each week, often two or three. It's been the case the last few weeks that you've gotten two or three and you get ad free feeds. Uh, how awesome is that? And if you're not ready to commit that far, but you want to kind of, you know, more actively follow what we're doing, I highly encourage you to subscribe to Bald Move Pulp and Bald Move Prestige because that's where all of our various podcasts get rolled up. So if you like uh, spaceships and Marvel movies and fantasy, high fantasy with elves, check out Bald Move Pulp. And if you like uh, things that are more character driven, like The Last of Us, um, uh, like the upcoming severance, like Yellow Jackets. That's a, the show mm-hmm. we're going to be getting into right now. I think a lot of people that like The Last of Us will like uh, Yellow Jackets, and there's a lot of ways to affordably add uh, Showtime to, like we, we're able to add it to our Paramount subscription for a buck. Yeah, buck a month. Buck a month uh, to it's get like Yellow Carlin's Jackets. running Paramount over there. <laughs> yeah. On Showtime. Just for a buck a month, we want you to subscribe to, to Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Yellow Jackets, because it's uh, another show that has a you know some s- common sensibilities and, and themes. So I uh, hope your journey with Bald Move doesn't end here. But if not, uh, we will be here for you when you get back to season two. Um, but uh, now it's time to get to oh, and also one more feedback show next week. We'll have a wrap up. Tlu tlou at baldmove.com. All right, super spoiler. Everybody, it's not played The Last of Us two. Get the hell out, Vance. I couldn't help but notice that it appears that Joel kills literally everyone at the hospital without mercy, but there's one shadowy figure that seems to escape. They come around the corner when he's dealing with a person at the desk and they run away. If you watch, it looks like this person has a braid flapping as they run away. Could this be Abby? Hmm. Screen captures for reference below. Uh, I want to share this with you, Jim, so you can take a look at it. Okay. I see a shadowy figure. It's you see a shadow figure. Really do you see my, do, do you see that right tell. coming off her shoulder? It's like a like a pigtail sure. swinging. Um, it this uh, okay. Let me stop uh, stop sharing now. I mean, this is literally uh, a, a shadowy figure in the foreground running away from Joel with a with maybe a ponytail. Maybe it could be some other kind of strap flapping around. It might be Abby. I got to say that like I think she's way older and more adult looking than I would expect from hmm. an Abby of this era. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a it's an interesting connection if true. Yeah, we'll see. Melina from uh, Canada says there's been an understanding specu- understandable speculation about how the Abby story will be received in season two or three by show only watcher. My humble guess is that the medium makes a huge difference and will be much more positively received by show-only people. I think much of the impact of the games comes from playing around with role-playing, the idea of the player's complicity and the character's actions. I mean, we just talked about that. Embodying Ellie for what that many hours and then suddenly being forced to walk in Abby's shoes is impactful in a different way than a TV show following different characters. After the switch, you are now forced as Abby to antagonize your favorite, Ellie, who is shocking and uncomfortable. 
uh, which is shocking and comfortable. But you inevitably start to sympathize with Abby through the same role play mechanism and this recast how you feel about your role in Ellie's actions in the first half. And of course, Joel's. I respect Druckmann for making a bold choice like this, but I frankly don't know how much I actually enjoyed playing it. It's rough. It's rough, that mid part Mm -hmm. of The Last of Us 2. For a TV show, you, of course, may powerfully empathize and identify with characters, but you do not inhabit that one person's perspective in the same all-encompassing way. You also spend a lot more time playing a game than watching a show, so you may be more attached to the character. I think stripped of these game elements, what you have in Abby's story is actually a pretty straightforward redemption arc. Will make for good TV, but it's nothing earth-shattering, particularly to an HBO audience who will compare it to Game of Thrones. Abby also has the benefit uh, that her, po- her perspective is absolutely valid. I think even the most diehard Joel fan would uh, admit to some ambivalence about his choices and would have to allow Abby her pain, if not agree with her actions. I could see uh, fans hotly being divided between Abby and Ellie in a ba- blacks versus green t- t- sort of way, but I don't think it's enough that people will start actively hating the show over it. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe the game has already scared off the people who are primed to hate the show for what it's about to do. That might be ultimately a good thing. Um, I, I think there's a difference here. And the difference is you're going to you're going to lose Ellie for a long time. It's not like we're going to be cutting back and forth and I'm going to see, you know, uh, Rob out here in the fields uh, on the run after the red wedding and then I'm gonna see like I don't know the hound doing his shit in King's Landing and that's gonna and maybe I'll lose Rob for an episode or two mm. this is gonna have to be like an entire season of losing Ellie for the most part mm. until we get to like episode 8 or something right mm. it's it's gonna be a lot and, and yeah. I and and I saw this done very poorly recently with The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. These were two shows uh. that, like, I, I personally had a very negative reaction to the Book of Boba Fett's turning into The Mandalorian season 2.5 for three right episodes and it, yeah. losing Boba Fett entirely. Mm-hmm. And that was just for a couple of episodes and in a show that I wasn't, like, that into in the first place because most sure. of it kind of sucked anyway. Boy, if I'm really digging what's happening with Ellie, and then I have to sit through eight, up to eight episodes of Abby, I I think people are going to react very strongly to it. Because it wasn't just me, right? Like that didn't like the Mando show, like Boba Fett show turning into the Mando show. No, it was wildly painted. And then the yeah. Luke Skywalker show and the Grogu show for for that amount of time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it is one thing to have to play as that character. It's a, it's maybe a slightly less offensive thing to TV watchers to have to watch those characters, but the way they're going to do it, I think, is yeah. just going to be it's going to be a lot. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of like the Game of Thrones because I think you've nailed it. Like, you know, oh, we turned our opinion completely around on like uh, Jamie Lannister and even to uh, mm-hmm. uh, who was the, the Theon Greyjoy and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, if season one of Game of Thrones was just essentially Ned and Arya 
and he's protecting his little girl through King's Landing and he's teaching her how to fight and how to survive. And, you know, they're very because I think that's a good comparison. Ned and, and Arya are pretty charming. We like them. And then at the end of season were and they begin and then they they fight and they do all this stuff and blah 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 and then at the beginning of season two Jamie Lannister comes out of nowhere and viciously murders Ned in front of Arya and then mm-hmm. leaves and then the entire second season we're stuck in Jamie Lannister's perspective and we never get like mm-hmm. that would be f- I don't know man I, I I don't know the game I don't know that there's something that's that there's a show that's tried to pull this brazen a bait and switch of the hero and villain on you and then expect you to actually instantly empathize you know like but it's yeah I don't know I mean may, maybe I'm wrong but like I I just can't quite think of anything that's that I certainly hadn't seen one I know what I felt going through the game I don't know that it'll be as strong on the show but it's going to be pretty strong it's going to be pretty strong yeah I, I think so I think so we'll see yeah especially since it's not even that it's like okay Jamie Lancer shows up in the beginning of season two of Game of Thrones, kills Ned in front of Arya and then we spend all of season two Arya trying to track down Jamie Lannister and then season mm-hmm. three is at, at, at a climax. It ends in season two, and then season three begins with just Jamie Lannister, you know, doing go, going about life for like the first half of the season. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's I yeah. Mean, people maybe. didn't like, and for for various reasons, some of them ridiculous. But like, people didn't yeah. really like spending a whole episode with Bill and Frank. In an episode sure. where we didn't spend the whole episode with Bill and Frank, right. we spent about three quarters of an episode with them. V- very vociferous reaction to that. So, yeah. good luck spending this much time with not just somebody that we don't yet care about, but somebody who we actively despise. <laughs> good right. luck. Yeah, guys, we have no... Re- yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, one final email. Tyler P says, hey, guys, we'll listen to the instant take. Aaron is stating how the Fireflies were insane for immediately cutting into Ellie and killing her. While I agree completely, I can see why the Fireflies made this decision. It's the exact reason they never asked Ellie for, Ellie for her consent for her to sacrifice herself for the good of all mankind. The Fireflies are not willing to risk take the risk of Ellie saying no. But at the very end of part two, we do find out what Ellie would have chosen. That night before Joel is killed, Ellie finally confronts him saying, I was supposed to die in that fucking hospital, but you took that from me. Marlene ended up being right, but I don't think she knew 100% that Ellie was willing to give her life and did the immoral thing where she was not willing to give Ellie the choice in case she said no. (sighs) It's tricky because even Ellie as like what in this she's like a 20 year old. I keep going back when you said that, like, I'm supposed to fucking die in a hospital. I think about Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump, where he sure, sure. crawls himself off the gurney, crawls over to Forrest, and in the middle of the night grabs him and says, I was supposed to die in that battlefield. That was my destiny. You robbed it from me. Was it really? Or was his destiny to get new legs, space shuttle legs, and marry some beautiful Vietnam- Vietnamese woman, you know, and have a family and live a normal life? Um, Turns out your destiny is what actually happens. <laughs> That's yeah, and like what and the where universe has given you. Where you're at in a moment of trauma in a bad spot and what you wish you didn't isn't necessarily where you'll be 10 years from now. So it's like it's tough. Like even if you like if Ellie wanting to die in this moment 
even if the fireflies did fully get her like what does that even mean in this moment where she's just gone through the david experience where she's just gone through the riley experience where she's 14 years old and she's at the beginning of a life that's just been filled with pain disappointment misery like is that an authentic choice i i don't know it's but these are again these like like it's not just one moral question the show is asking you it's asking you a whole bunch of russian nesting dolls of moral questions yep which is so, what makes it a complex and rich story in a yeah. video game world that doesn't often do this type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I hope we've captured that for you throughout the season and in this feedback. Again, there's one more bite. If you feel like there's a, a take that you haven't heard represented, uh, represented and another look at the old moral kaleidoscope that we haven't twisted and turned on, make sure you send that in to TLOU at baldmove.com probably before Tuesday morning if you want to be safe uh because we're about to steal off into the night uh and not talk about this until the last of us two but also don't forget i'm doing the video game playthrough sunday nights for the next eight to nine weeks at 9 p.m eastern Uh, i'll be playing through the game with my buddy jim here in chronological order keeping roughly to the outline of the episodes we're going to try to get through an episode each night uh twitch.tv slash bald move and if you want to see the replays you can either head that and check out the bot archive or uh, it's on youtube.com slash bald move or will be uh, until then we'll see you next week for the recap and I hope to see you on Sunday night uh, but yeah until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim later <laughs>